Hello and welcome back to another episode of And The Winner Is, where we review each winner of the Best Picture Oscar one at a time. This episode, we will be discussing the 1953 winner, The Greatest Show on Earth. And joining me as always, my co-host, Tony. Hello. Hello, hello. Are we all, all good? Not too bad, sure. Yeah, not too bad. End of the month, as always. Uh, <laughs> a bit earlier. I know we've, uh, we've skipped over the end of the month a couple of times, but we are on time this time. Both yeah. shows will be out before the end of the month, um, before our, our jubilee here in the UK. For any of our foreign listeners, we're just a few days away from a, a four-day weekend um, yeah. for the Queen's jubilee. So, yep, both, these will both be out before, before that happens. So, as I said, we are discussing the 1953 winner, The Greatest Show on Earth. And so let's dive in, as we always do, with some facts and figures. So this is a bit of a strange one. It has no official UK release date. It was never released in the cinemas in the UK. Um, (laughs) Yep, it was shown at a festival in February 1952 in London. Never had a release date here in the UK. Um, So it's a bit of a strange one. And interestingly as well, there's no actual official release date in the US either, other than May 1952. Um, there's no actual note of what date it came out. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a strange one. It had a budget of $4 million. Do you want to take a stab at how much it made? $40 million. Very, very close. It made $36 million. So didn't do too badly. Um, so, yeah, it made a bit, of a, a bit of a profit there, I would imagine. And mm. considering it wasn't a full worldwide release, it, it did all right. Um, mm. and, and as always, we look at some of the, the little facts about the film. Uh, the first one I've got, Burt Lancaster was actually offered the role of great, the great Sebastian, having been a trained acrobat himself. Oh, um, wow. And turned it down. Um, so that was an interesting one, because they made sure Cecil D... D Cecil D... Meal, I can't even get it out. Yeah, I don't know why I can't get it out because he is the uh, the godfather of Hollywood. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he made all of the actors actually learn the profession they were playing in the film, and so they yeah. were all fully trained. Um, <laughs> another little thing to mention, it's it's not a particularly nice fact to to come out with, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, in the film, it is mentioned that the tent is fireproof, and this was due to a fire that killed. 167 people at a Ringling Circus in 1944. Blimey. Um, so it's, it's actually mentioned in the film like eight years mm. later. It's specifically mentioned at that point that they are fireproof. Um, Charlton Heston got the part after waving at DeMille on the lot. It was only his third film. Um, wow. So yeah, apparently they were on the lot and they hadn't met, but Charlton Heston waved at him on the lot um, and he liked his wave. So he cast him, <laughs> uh, which is really strange. Um, I thought this was this was a funny fact as well. It took them an hour to pick Brad's hat to make sure they'd got the right one. Wow. Um, which is just ridiculous. Um, this is actually a film that a lot of people didn't think was worthy of winning Best Picture. Um, and apparently it won due to the competitor's writer was blacklisted um, shortly after the film came out. I knew, um, I think, up against me. Yep, it was. Yep. Um, 
It costs quarter of a million dollars to use the real names of the circus, um, to use Ringlands and, uh, and Barnums. Um, oh. It cost them quarter of a million dollars to, to do that. Um, first choice to play Angel was Lucille Ball, um, but sadly she was pregnant with her daughter Lucy, um, so couldn't do it. Um, the film would feature five Oscar winners um, across their careers. Um, so it was a really well-cast film. Um, and it's one of only a few Oscar Best Pictures um, to only win one other Oscar. Um, it didn't win Best Director. It didn't best, uh, win Best Screenplay. Um, it won very few. Um, right. So <laughs> it was a bit of a, a difficult film, this one. It, as I say, it wasn't considered a worthy winner. And, and we'll get into that a little bit as we, we talk about this. Um, and as you say, as we always do, we, we talk about the other films that were nominated. As you mentioned, High Noon. Um, it was also up against Ivanhoe, Moulin Rouge and The Quiet Man. Why The Quiet Man, yeah. Okay. So you can see why it was it was possibly considered that it shouldn't have won. Um, I, I, I wouldn't I agree it. with that. Um, that yeah. Um, so let's let's dive into the film, I suppose. Um, as we mentioned, it's Hollywood's pioneer, Cecil B. DeMille. Um, he also narrates the film, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, you don't mm -hmm. see that very often. Um, the, no. the, the director was actually the, the narrator on the film. Um, and we get some really old school Hollywood credits as well. Um, yeah. Literally just flicks through, which is not something you see like. And it, it starts off with what kind of feels like an ad. Well, like it's, it's an not, advert for the, for the circus. Yeah, it's very much like a, a, it feels like a documentary when it starts with his voiceover. Yeah. Um, and what I take is sort of semi-real footage of just striking a, a circus operation. Yeah, yeah right. and we see that throughout as well. They use a lot yeah. of real footage. And we, we cut back to him quite a few times. And, and so, yeah, yeah so to those scenes always have a the kind of a documentary feel to the mod. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then my next note, and it relates to another one of our podcasts, um, for the love of a franchise. My next note was, oh, wow, it's indie. <laughs> Sean Heston is basically what indie is based on. He's With wearing the exactly the same costume. <laughs> the hat, the leather jacket, the like the beige undergarments, the, the trousers and the shirt. It's literally indie. So you can quite kind of see where they got that from. Um, I just couldn't believe how close it was. Um, then I mentioned all those animals. Circuses don't have animals anymore. No, obviously. no, no. It's, uh, they, Which they, I thought was well. Here, brilliant. certainly, they were outlawed, weren't they, a few years ago? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then they get straight into the business of saving the circus season. And for anybody that doesn't know, one of the Ringling brothers is in that scene, um, basically telling them how to, to fix their season. Um, that is that is one of the, the Ringling Bob brothers. Explains why some of the ropiest acting is in that scene in the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't get off to the strongest start. Interestingly, no, when I started watching it, I thought, oh God, what have I let myself in for? Um, yeah, there's some but then not well-delivered lines in that sequence. <laughs> yeah. But then it does improve, improve massively after that. Um, I did say, as you say there, 
Um, while the accent is what you expect at the time, they are believable still, um, mm. which possibly ties into the fact that one of them is from the real circus. Mm. Um, I did also note at this point, there's some really good early CGI in this. Yeah, back on projection. Yeah, um, we, and it looks great um, throughout. You can obviously notice it because it is obviously very antiquated now. But for mm. the time, I thought we've watched some films and they've not been great yeah. from this period with that in that sense. And I thought they were really good in this. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, I'm um, I, 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 I jotted down here throughout my notes that I, I thought it, it was quite mixed. Some of the back screens better than others. And there's because there's a scene later on which is really weird where you, um, with Sebastian, where you see him out, outside walking towards Heston's hut, and then of course they cut yeah. to a studio bit with his back with more back projection without him. And it's very, very strange. I've never seen that before. No, where a main um, character is in the back projection, then they move him into the set, and it's yeah, um, I did. I have to touch on the whole clown thing. I've got no problems with clowns. I never have had. Um, obviously, the, the, we eventually get why he is only called Buttons throughout the film. Um, mm -hmm. We'll get to that at the point. And I'd written that down in my, my notes earlier. Why is he just called Buttons? Obviously, not knowing where the story was going. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't have problems with clowns, but it is so difficult to read their emotions. Yeah. Um, as good an actor as James Stewart is, it's still difficult to tell at times. Really, it doesn't. His emotions and have, I wouldn't have known other than the fact that I'd seen his name in the credits that it was him, for the most part. And it's not until he takes the hat off at the end, yeah. <laughs> and I go, "Oh, you can clearly see it is now." But when he's got a hat on and the, and the makeup and everything, I wouldn't have known that was him other than for the fact that it's I'd read it in the credits. Big overpainted mouth, isn't it? A lot of it. It's yeah. Sort of, sort of yeah. And I, he's actually uh, good. Yeah, he is. He's, he's super. In fact, to be fair, the whole cast is pretty fantastic throughout. Yeah. Um, I just say it's amazing to think these circus travelled through the country. This, I was going to say at this point, Phil, I, I've seen this once or twice back when I was a kid. I used to be on telly quite a bit. So so I was familiar with the way that his story plays out. But even watching it now, all these years later, it still sort of flows quite well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and as I was saying, it, it, it's kind of amazing to think these circuses travelled cross country. Yes. Yeah, these big, massive trains. Yeah, yeah it must have been an amazing sight to see one of them go past. See them rolling into town. I mean, we see it in yeah. films quite a bit of the era, but it's actually to experience it. So if you're a like seven or eight year old kid seeing that big train rolling through, it must be an amazing sight to see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we get the introduction of the, the great Sebastian, as we mentioned in the in the opening. And you can literally feel the smarm through the screen. Mm. As soon as he, he makes his first appearance, it's like, oh, God, I can literally, I, I, I can taste it. Yeah, I've written down flash git. That's basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then I, I guess we, we touch on Angel. Um, and she's really tough throughout this film at times. Mm. Um, she really does stand up to pretty much everybody at some point. Um, and I really like that. I, I thought that was a, a really strong role throughout. Um, 
And then, as we touched on at the start, the, the insertions of the actual circus, I think, works really well. I, I really like that because it gives you a feel for, for what they're going through. Um, it's not something you see very often. I, at this point, I, I did sort of know how, how times have changed now in storytelling when the, there's, there's, the, there's the, the, re, the very large guy called Tiny and they suggest putting him in with the hippo. And yeah. <laughs> That was their dumbstruck for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was that was funny. Um, when I was going to say on the trains, uh, the, I, I, I just some of the model work throughout the film is fantastic for the trains. There's a yeah. slightly cheesy crash a bit later on with your cargo flying, but for the most part, I think yeah, really and even even that still looks good for the yeah. most part. Um. I don't mind that. It's I'd rather have something like that than CGI all the time, to be honest. That we get now that we get now where they do that on CGI, and you and you know that it's been put through a computer. Yeah, exactly. And and I think for me, obviously, I'm I'm a slightly older, uh, slightly younger than you, Tony. And I went through the whole thing of Lord of the Rings when a lot of mm. that was done with miniatures. Peter yeah. Jackson went back to that, so I'm kind of of the opinion that I'd still like to see more of that. Yeah. Um, so this really, really touched on that. Um, and as we touched on the, uh, again, in the, the facts and figures at the start, um, I did say weirdly some great stunt work, not what you'd expect from a film like this. And uh, as mm. I said, they, they had all trained to do yeah. those roles. Um, so it, it totally makes sense as to, to why they look so good. So much going on as well with the fact that it's a three ring circus as well. Uh, yeah, and I just things like dogs riding horses just don't. So I think the only time I've ever seen that was in that film, probably. Yeah, and it's it's some of like the, there's a whole scene with a little girl trying to get on the back of a horse. Yeah, at what, one point I'm like, how the hell is she even doing some of that? Yeah. Unbelievable. And and at this point, I think we have to touch on on the relationships. There's so many different relationships going on. Yes. Throughout this, so many different friendships, but they all work. Yeah. They all have yeah. their own thing. It's hard to most at one point. Who fancies who in all this? Because it's just like... yeah, and it's it's not even that. It's just like buttons and angel being so close as, as yeah. friends, yeah. and and I really like that as well. And yeah, I just I think it all works really well. And I suppose that touches back on the fact that there were so many Oscar winners in this film. Yeah. Throughout their career, eventually they would they would pick Oscars up, so it kind of makes sense as to why they all work so well. Yeah, um, I, talking about buttons, I, I like how they sort of layering out the mystery because we had the bit earlier where where he talks yeah. about every man kills the thing he loves, and oh, that's mysterious. And then of course, yeah, uh, one of the, one of their tour tanks, his mother's there. Yeah, blind me. And then yeah. a little more subplot exposition there. I think oh. Yeah. And, and yeah, at this point, I, I've written that Buttons is a really classy character. Yeah. Which he is, from yeah. what we've seen so far. He It's not until later on in the film you go, oh, Jesus, maybe maybe it's not. And it is kind of signposted where his story goes. In the back mm. end of the film, you kind of realise that's what's, what's going to happen, but it doesn't take away from what we've seen earlier in the film. Um, and another bit of the... Um, 
the circus itself. I found those parades really interesting. Like <laughs> they were just using play. weird characters. Uh, yeah, because we see Disney characters at one point. But I, I'd written down that that first time. We see it just went on for so long. That first one. <laughs> yeah. And then we get an appearance from Hopalong Cassidy. I, I know like, that as well, the real Hopalong. Yeah. Yeah, and that was his final role. He never, yeah, he never acted again after that. <laughs> so, um, and then um, I just said what a massive undertaking it must be to, to move cities. Um, and then we get the, the whole relationship between... Um, Charlton Heston and, and Holly, and it mm. becomes really harsh at times. Mm. Um, but then she turns turns face and kind of is playing Sebastian off of him as yeah. well. Yeah. Because um, I wrote she down, much, oh dear, she's doing the double. She very much knows what she wants, doesn't she? She's very sort yeah. of... Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I have to say manipulative, but she is sort of um, veering towards that, and she's definitely sort of playing them both a little bit earlier on in the film. Yeah, definitely. Um, then uh, we get some unexpected violence. I wasn't expecting that to to come along. We get the the proper punch up between the boss and the the guy behind the the, uh, oh, yeah. the sideshow. Extortion, corruption, subplot, which for me yeah. was probably the weakest part of the film. It's, yeah, it, yeah, because it's not really. You, it doesn't really come back to haunt the film until right at the end, does it? Yeah, literally, it's it's, it's just set up for for the for the crash at the end, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. And then surprisingly, we get a couple of musical numbers. Yes. Yeah. Which right. I wasn't expecting either. I was like, oh, they're going to sing now, are they? Um, and just then we get another that, one a bit I, I later just, on. I just jot, jotted down as a throwaway. How the hell does that clang fit in that car? <laughs> I know it looks so painful as well because yeah. he struggles to get out of it. And it's yeah. like, well, if you're struggling to get out of it, how the hell did you get in there? First place. But, but yes, but yes, we go back to the musical number. I've written down Dorothy Lamore sings question one. And one of them. I didn't realise they were in there because it's in the years since one of the best cameo throwaway gags I have ever seen in a film as, as the camera scans across when Dorothy Moore singing. And, it, and it's Bing Crosby and Bob Hope and it's so yeah. genius if you're, if you're a fan of the Rotu films like me. Yeah. The, yeah, the definitely. In her, in her sequence in the film because she did about four Rotu films of them both, I think, in the end, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I sat there laughing my head off for a second. It's genius. They don't yeah. say anything, they're just munching popcorn. And that's the perfect in-joke. I thought that's correct. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> obviously we get the, the accident. Um, yes. which which you see a mile off as soon as they start talking about it, you're like, this isn't gonna go well, is it? No. They no. they're clearly setting it up, but it's still shocking to see the fact that they actually show him hit the ground. Yeah, as well, it's it's just not not pretty at all. You're like, you're like this. I just jotted down at this point. <laughs> Sebastian does as Dick Grayson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, that's how it felt. Um, yeah. and and then we get a couple of dodgy jokes. 
which I thought was a bit pushing it. We get the get, get a spanking being spanked by the monkey. Yes, <laughs> which I thought was really bizarre. And then we get a, a, a joke about her being wet. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, they, they said oh, it's got something about being wet, and, and the comeback is in more ways than one. And mm. I'm like, really? In 1952, we're getting a joke about her being wet. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, and then we kind of get the turn of the film, don't we? Where he comes, where Sebastian comes back, and he's basically saying, "Oh, oh I'm going somewhere else." Yeah. Uh, and uh, then we get the reveal that he is permanently damaged. Yeah, I just written down at that point. How the hell was he still walking after that bloody splat? I know. You, you must be a good 40 feet up. Yeah. And he's come down and hit that sawdust. And, and all he's got is a like a withered arm. But I did I did write down um um you can't really imagine that sort of pain that would no. take away everything that well, you know. I did like um, Eston's facial acting in that sequence. You just see it in his eyes. His eyes are just yeah. flicking at the arm all the time. And, and you just see the character processing through Eston's performance. And it's such a nice little moment. Yeah. Because um, he, he was quite underrated. He, he could be at all off screen at times, Eston, but. He was quite underrated in that he did that sort of everyman role quite well across his career. And yeah. He could act a little bit, and then you see it in that in that sequence there, you just see the process. Yeah, definitely. And, and I suppose at this point we should say that now it's time to we kind of get everybody pairing off. Um, everybody has their kind of own story arc at the end, don't they? Mm. Um Whereas yeah. the, kind of everybody's been mixing throughout the film and, and now it kind of starts to pay off. Um, and we do get, I, I literally just wrote, geez, what a bunch of jealous bastards. <laughs> because yeah, it, it all just causes infighting at this point um, yeah. throughout it, which is, uh, and again, it's not something to knock because it works and it kind of sets up this massive finale. Um, yeah. A lot that of we get. And yeah. I think that's the great thing about Buttons is he doesn't have any of that. He's probably one yeah. of the most ego-carrying characters in it. Yeah, definitely. And, and as we said earlier, he, I'd written down he's a classic character and it still continues. Yeah, yeah. Um, all through this end, even though he knows it's kind of all over for him. Yeah, well, um, the, yes, we get we get that um, that sequence with the, new, the, the newspaper article. And he, basically, they're just sort of saying to the audience, here it comes now. Here's the big story yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah. Story. Yeah. And, and at this point, I, I kind of want to say that I think this film has, has got a really good, great production value as well. I think mm. it looks really good as well, um, for the most part. Um, as you say, there was a couple of moments with some dodgy CG, but you expect that in the 1950s. It's not all going to be yeah. exactly perfect. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get as we mentioned earlier, that, that sabotage plot kind of kicks in at this point. Well, and that, um, that all kind of starts from the point with the um, the elephant foot, doesn't it? And he used yeah. such a dick as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. It wasn't nice at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and at this point, I, I really want to say this film pretty much has everything 
that you could want from a film. I'll, I'll pick up on it in my notes as to to what I mean. My my final notes, but I I honestly think there's there's nothing more this film could have had in it. Um, it's pretty much got every single genre that you could possibly imagine. Um, and then we go. <laughs> then I just wrote shit. They ran him over. I didn't see that. I was expecting him to dive out of the car, but no, he just sits there and watches the train come at him. <laughs> um, uh, and as we pointed out, the we've got the miniature work at this point as well. Um, which it yes, did, it's, it did make me smile when the car goes flying. I must admit, when yeah, whizzing across. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then we get the the, the massive aftermath. Of, of the crash itself you've got escaping animals which i thought they did really well i thought that was that was quite nice they did a good job with that the set design um, for that whole sequence is just fantastic just the, just loads of trash on screen but it's so well positioned and like you say the yeah. way they've got cages set up and the animals are running around and they're running around the actors as well and you, bloody hell they'd all do that with yeah. computer now yeah exactly um and then then we obviously get the reveal that Buttons is the killer that the policeman's been after. Uh, I did write shocker. Because effectively, what, what it is, he, he committed euthanasia, didn't he? What seemed to run it on yeah. his wife. And, and that's a yeah. concept that's probably quite new and alien at that point as well, that somebody would even think about euthanasia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, and as I said, it's not much of a shocker. It was pretty much signposted um, yeah. probably half an hour, 45 minutes before the end of the film that mm. it was going to be him. But he still yeah. saves the day. Yeah. And still yeah. continues to prove that he is this classy guy yeah. that just wants to help people. Um, yeah. And we get a triumphant end. The circus continues. Everybody's okay. Buttons yeah. accepts it. And, and off he goes. And it's it really is kind of... It, it's, despite the fact that he does get arrested, it's not, it's not a sad ending. We still get the triumphant ending of the circus going ahead and everybody yeah. being okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and yeah, so I'm gonna just touch on my my final notes. I said this film has everything: spectacle, action, romance, and intrigue. Uh, a perfect winner that looked great while providing a superb story that kept my mind engaged. I'd never lost my sense of wanting to watch it. I was always glued to the TV the the whole time, the whole way through the film. Mm. Um, so. Mm. So that's that's my final notes. Anything for for you to add, Tony? No, I mean, just to say for me, it, there, there's a lot to enjoy in the film. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. It's a vibrant color. There, there are a couple of places where I say it could have been trimmed. The the, the, the extortion plot doesn't really add a lot. I say I think it's only there just to serve as the ending. And and I, and I find that those couple of minutes of the parades could have been trimmed down a little bit. <laughs> Like, probably oh, yeah and now it's christmas and now it's walt disney <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah oh, i get it i get it everybody does two jobs in the circus they're all busy. <laughs> um yeah i think i think so i so i've watched it first when i was a kid and i haven't seen it in years i remember enjoying it at the time um and it's still a really enjoyable film it's it's fun watch um, there's some nice performances throughout it. Uh, so I love that Dorothy Moore performance, Matt and Gag. Um, Stewart is great. It's a really understated performance from Jimmy Stewart, actually. 
Um, there's the, the design of it is fantastic. Like I say, to, to put together effectively a working three ring circus on film, which is brilliant. Um, the model work was fantastic. Uh, my only caveats would be in terms of it being a deserved winner. I kind of can see why they say that about it because I, I've seen The Quiet Man and I've seen The High Noon and High Noon, I think, is a fantastic film. And as dramatic pieces, I think they're both better films. Um, but I can I can see how there might have been this issue with with um, voting being split, etc. Because um, it was a very funny time you know, the sort of McCarthy communist and anti hero in, in Hollywood um, was quite ridiculous. Um, but I, I can understand why it, it would have won it. It wouldn't be my pick out of those three to be the best picture winner, but I can understand why it won it. Um, and that kind of reflects a little bit of my score where I've given it just just shy of 80. I've given it a 78. Uh, yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm way above that. Um, it's probably actually got my highest score. Uh, I've given it a 93 because wow. I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it mm. um, from start to finish. Um, I sat here, and we'll talk about it on the next one, but I watch this only reason why i turned it off was because my family came home halfway through it um and then i finished it about an hour and a half later um after they they were doing something else um so that was the only reason why i stopped otherwise i would have gone all the way through um the two and a half three hour running time um so yeah that's that's the only reason why i didn't finish it so yeah 93 for me so that is that for The Greatest Show on Earth. Um, we will be back with another episode, which Tony will be hosting, which will be the 1988 winner, The Last Emperor. Thank you for joining us. Remember to give us a review over on Apple Podcasts, and we will be back for that episode in a couple of days.